Welcome to the Kingdom Culture Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this spirit-filled message that it blesses your week and brings you joy and perspective. To connect with us, hop on social media and for more information, head to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. So good. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Are you crazy? Can't sit down. So good. Thanks, team. Thank you. We're going to stay standing momentarily, except for Brother Moonboot. I saw a gentleman in a, in a moon boot over there. Brother, stay seated lest you injure yourself further. Are you good? That's good. Why don't you all just lift your hands to heaven really quickly on this place. Father, I thank you tonight for an impartation of faith in the house. I speak to this atmosphere. I thank you. You're full of faith. You're full of hope. You're full of breakthrough. You're full of the anointing. You're full of joy. You're full of attentiveness. You're full of engagement. And you're full of open hearts in the name of Jesus. And everyone that believed it said, Amen. Amen. You can take your seat tonight. I'm so excited to be sharing with you. And I, before I preach, I have to tell you, if you weren't here this morning, you need to get on Tuesday onto the podcast app and listen to Pastor Rob's word. It was just phenomenal. And someone said, Amen. You'll... Well, I, I want to tell you, I think God's going to move tonight, but I want to tell you something else. We're talking about faith, and we're going to read a big passage of Scripture tonight, which I'm excited about. But I want to tell you something that, that's really important, and you probably already know it, but God moving tonight is not predicated on me preaching awesome. Now, I hope I preach awesome. I pray I'm engaging and funny. I pray the Holy Spirit moves through me. But if I preach terrible, just utter and sheer garbage, you can still get a word from God. You can still get touched from the Holy Spirit. You can still be healed in your seat. Even if I'm in the funny story part of my message, not the keys are up and the landing the plane part of my message. Actually, an atmosphere of faith is dictated by the people in the room. And so I want to tell you tonight, I want to encourage you to lean in. You know me, I don't usually preach too long. There's usually a fun altar call. We do what we do, but... We need faith. We need faith. Amen? What's he doing? He's putting responsibility on me. <laughs> I just wanted to listen. You got a Bible. Who's got an actual Bible there tonight? Here tonight? Nope. Put it away. Surely Marco's got an actual Bible. Hey? Uh, he's, no, Marco's Bible turns on. Okay. All right. Well, do we actually not have a leather Bible here? Okay, Kimmy's got one. Craig's got one. Okay. Come on, Geordie Barnett can always, can always, always come through. Jacob Mann has a pretty good ESV. There he is, fill him with the anointing. <laughs> Why are you leaving, bro? <laughs> In the name of Jesus. <laughs> hey, turn with me to Mark. Or as David Hall would say, if you're in America, it would be Mark. If you're from China, it would be Mark. That's very racist, but I've got a Chinese sister, so it's all right. So turn with me to Mark 5, Mark 5, starting in verse 21. Bit of, bit of scripture. Are we going to be all right? <laughs> Four of us are going to be all right. The rest are going to suffer through the Word of God. Verse 21, when Jesus had crossed, I'm going to get rid of my tassels. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. I wonder how big a great crowd means. Because for me, a great crowd is at least... 75 people. So one could say we have a great crowd here tonight. (laughs) 
A great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. Good response. And implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her. Jairus was a Pentecostal. So that she may be well and live. And he went with him. A great crowd followed him and thronged about him. It's important to know that. There's a great crowd. There's at least 75 people milling around Jesus, thronging around him, obviously bumping and jostling, wanting, wanting a piece of Jesus. And there was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had but was no better. Rather, she grew worse. She had heard reports. How good's that? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our... She had heard reports about Jesus. And she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, and if we could put my message title up tonight, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. If I could touch his garments. My message title tonight is, if I could only touch him. If I could only touch him. Man, I feel the anointing of God. This woman had faith that when she came into contact with Jesus, something was going to happen. I don't know if she knew what, but she knew from the report of the testimony. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. She touched him. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, another translation said virtue had gone out of him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? It's a weird thing to say. And his disciples said to him, and I think the disciples were being a little bit petulant here, uh, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? What's wrong with you? <laughs> And he looked around to see who had done it. I love that. Jesus doesn't even pay attention to their sass. They're like, there's a crowd around you. And he's like, great, so good, shut up. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking, he's looking. He looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. (laughs) I love that. And he said to her, daughter, your faith, someone say faith, has made you well. Go in peace. And be healed of your disease. Now, while this is going on, Brother Jairus is probably getting frustrated. Jairus has gone to Jesus and said, Hey, my daughter's dying. I need you to come lay hands quick. And on the way to do that, this woman has interrupted him. And, you know, there's some, I mean, there's some stuff in there. Like, it says that the woman fell before Jesus and told him the whole truth. Ladies, I love you. But y'all can tell stories for days. So if I'm Jairus, I'm probably there going, that's so good you've been healed, sister. That's so great. My daughter is dying. Jesus, are you serious? Like I told you, this was urgent. This was an urgent matter. Can we please go to my house? While he was speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Jairus right now must be livid. Are you kidding me? I'm glad sister got healed, but now my daughter is dead because you tarried. Are you serious, Jesus? Why don't you care? She wasn't dying. She just had an issue. You could have done that afterwards. I love this story, man. Why trouble the teacher any further? 
But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Have you ever had a Christian say that to you? Like you got no money or a family member's like just got diagnosed and they're like, just believe. You're like, just shut up. But Jesus did this. A messenger comes from the house and says, hey, and he doesn't, the messenger's sassy as well. The messenger doesn't just say, your daughter's dead. He's like, your daughter's dead. Leave Jesus alone. What is he saying? It's over. It's done. We tried. Let's go home. Let's mourn. Let's begin the burial process. Jesus says, no, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. There's something in that. When you're going to do something that requires faith, take people of faith with you. But that's another, another message. And he allowed no one to follow him. They came to the house and the rule of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? Jesus is so funny. He knows that someone's just died. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to go, yo, I'm here. Do you remember in the boat? He wakes up and there's a storm. They're like, we're going to die. And he's like, where's your faith, man? Peace. It's like Jesus constantly in these stories, he doesn't just bring a healing, he changes the paradigm. It's like he's saying, hey, when I rock up, I'm going to sort this out. But don't be scared, just believe. Then for the second time in his life, he says, the child is not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him. Whoa. But he put them all outside. Okay, we've got to pause real quick. Jairus, Jesus. Jesus, my daughter, she's dead. She's dying. She's not good. I need you to come. Jairus, I'll come. Thank you, Pastor. You've got to lay hands on her. We're Pentecostal. All right, let's go. We're moving. We're moving. We're moving. We're moving. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Where are you? Jesus. Where are you? Jesus in the middle of the crowd playing 21 questions. Who touched my garment? Like, he's like, Jesus, my daughter's about to die. I need help. Jesus is like, who touched me? Who touched me? Then this woman comes forward, and she's like, it was me. And then she tells him the whole truth. Like, who knows how long that took? Jairus is like, yo! And then they keep moving along. And then someone comes and says, hey, Jairus, your daughter's dead. We should leave Jesus alone because it's over. Jesus is like, don't worry. Just believe. Jairus is like, oh, well, it's a very stressful day. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. They get home. People are wailing. People are ripping their clothes. Not in a weird way. It's just what they did when they were sad back in the day. It's kind of weird. Praise God. And they're crying and they're weeping. And Jesus walks in and goes, hey, why are you weeping and crying? Do not fear. Just believe. And everyone that was weeping and crying starts laughing at him. I look into this in the Greek. There is a chance that Jesus forcibly removed them. There's a few things here. One thing, to quote Robert Madu, is obviously, you know, he's a good, good father. It's true. But don't get it twisted, man. Sometimes Jesus is so, so gangster. Like, he is not on board. He's just like, hey, I need you to leave. Why are you laughing at me? And I believe he did that because Jesus himself did not want to operate in an environment of unbelief. Jesus himself was like, hey, I need y'all to leave. Because there is a faith. I, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear Him saying. Something's about to happen and your unbelief needs to get out of here. Because something's going to happen. Let's keep reading on together. Oh my goodness. I know this is a bit of scripture, but I need to build my case. The child is not dead. And they were sleeping and he put him outside. Taking her by the hand. He said, Talitha Kumai. 
which means little girl, I say to you, arise. Older, be there and see that. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. (laughs) Yeah, they were. And he strictly charged them that no one should know of this and told them to get her some Nando's to eat. (laughs) Come on, let's pray together tonight. If I could have a timer up, that'd be phenomenal. Let's pray. God, I thank you tonight. Oh, Jesus, for faith in this room. God, that you would deposit faith, that it would not be about my message or what I'm trying to do, but God, you would deposit faith in the people's hearts here. And I just speak to this atmosphere and I say, unbelief, you can take a walk in the name of Jesus because we're a place that dares to not fear, but to believe in the name of Jesus. I, I love this text. It's kind of crazy. Maybe you guys have heard Jairus' daughter story before. And maybe you've heard the woman with the issue of blood before. But, but maybe some of you didn't realize they were going on at the same time. I know for me, I, I sort of it took me by surprise when I was reading this. I was like, oh, that's, it's, like, it's kind of it's at the same time. They're not separate stories. Like he just goes on a walk and does this. And, and from the outset, it looks like Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood are, are, are not connected. But they really are quite intrinsically linked. And that tells me a bit about Jesus and about testimony. You know, many years ago, many years ago, like 2013, I want to say, I'm bad with timelines. I got a call from a guy called Andrew Midston. And he said, hey, he was very intense. He said, hey, man, I've heard that you're an okay speaker. That's what he said. And that you love the Holy Ghost. And I asked your lead pastor to come preach, but he's away overseas. So he recommended you. Could you please send me three YouTube videos of you preaching? I was like, shivers, this is a youth camp of 7,000 people. Calm down, superstar. But I didn't. I, I did it. And I was like, it's funny if you know Andrew. It's fine. And, and, and so I sent him these three YouTube videos. Didn't hear from him for two weeks. Two weeks later, he texts me. Hey, watch the YouTube videos. We'll have you. That's what he said. <laughs> and so I, I went and drove to Mount Tambourine to a youth camp there. There's about 100 kids. And this um, slightly overweight youth pastor met me and said, uh, bro, we are pump you here. Uh, you know, we really want to go after the power of the Holy Ghost. And so I preached, uh, I preached uh, a message there, uh, Hackney and Cheam. It's kind of my go-to when I'm, when I'm not here. And, and I preached it, and then we prayed for people, and the anointing of God came, and it fell, and, and God moved, and it was awesome. And then I didn't hear, him for three, hear from him for three years. And I always thought to myself, that was fun up in that tambourine with that very intense youth pastor. And then I was going through something in my life and, and it was pretty full on. It was, you know, the season was hard and people knew about that. And I got a call from this guy and he said, hey, bro, it's Andrew Midston. I'd love to get a coffee with you. And I thought to myself in my head, the last thing I need right now is to meet up with that really intense dude. But he's like, hey, I want you to meet me at DFO Airport. I want to go to the coffee club. I'm like, this guy's whack. Like, he's intense and he goes to coffee club. Like, wow, you know, like, who wants $30 nachos that taste like garbage? Woo! So... He's like, let's go, and we met there, and we chatted, and I realized that actually under the surface, there was a man of wisdom and integrity who had a good marriage and who was doing life the right way, and so I was really blessed that he would take the time, and as the years went on, he started to speak into my life and speak into my marriage, and and I was thinking about this this week, and you know, he took over a Hillsong campus three years ago, it was a couple of hundred people, it's now 1,500, he's close friends with Pastor Rob and Pastor Jesse, and we've gone down there and seen how he's done teams, and it was like crazy to think that three years ago, we had no interaction, there was no link in, there was no uh, commonality, 
But through a few decisions and a few testimonies and a few Holy Ghost meetings, we're so linked together now in the work of the ministry. Sometimes on the surface, things look like they're not linked in. But when you dig a little deeper, there's a lot going on. Where's he going with this? Let's find out. (laughs) Thanks. These two stories we just read, it's one story with two characters, three characters, more than that, but the story we just read, there's a, there's a real link, but on the surface there isn't. If we could put up the comparison of Jairus and the woman, that would be amazing. So we look at Jairus. Jairus is a pastor, y'all. So Jairus is very well respected in his community. He really is. He, let's have a look. Jairus is a man. In, this day, in that day and age, that gave him an instant advantage. Sometimes in this day and age it does too, which sucks. But in this day and age, my goodness, he's already got to level up. She's a woman. Jairus is affluent. He's got a house. Did a little look into how much you would be earning if you're working as a religious man in the synagogue at the time. It was a lot of money. He has money. This woman doesn't. He was respected. He has servants running to come and tell him news. It's like, bro, Jairus, you got legs, man? You just, no? Cool. Like he's got, he's got stuff going on. This woman has been rejected and ostracized and hurt. Have you ever felt that way? Like, I don't know, but there's some new faces in here. Maybe you come into church and you always feel like, oh, man, I don't measure up. Like, I'm not like all these God people. Like, I do the wrong thing. And, man, it sucks. I don't even know why I'm here. But, you know, there's some good-looking birds, so I'll hang around. <laughs> Pastor Rob, where did you meet your wife? Church. I met my wife in church. Damn, where did you meet your wife? Like, it's just a thing. So, Matt, where did you meet your girlfriend? Yeah, cool. Jazz, where did you meet Craig? Cool. So, rejected. He's been hurt. She's been hurt. She's been, she, she can't have kids. She's considered unclean, so she can't have a family. And family was where the woman found her identity back in those days. She is so ostracized and hurt while Jairus is killing it. Jairus has a family. We know this because one of them's unwell. By all accounts, this woman doesn't. To get any sort of companionship, she would have had to not get married, just sort of have like a boyfriend and not talk about it due to her being unclean. These two people are so different. They're from such different walks of life. But I love it because desperation levels the playing field. And I love that about the local church. You might have a lot of money or you might not. You might have a history with drug abuse or you might not. You might have an addiction that you don't want to talk about or you might not. But when you're desperate for Jesus and you walk through those doors, it doesn't matter because desperation levels the playing field. And so this is why the church needs to be the most welcoming place in the world because it's like, yo, you got a past? So do I. It's awesome. Not that I have a past, but I'm free and you can be free too. So desperation levels the playing field. Jairus leaves his comfy house and he goes on walkabout looking for this guy, Jesus. This woman, who is probably scared stiff to be out in culture and society, is like, I gotta, I've heard rumors of the scandal of grace. I gotta find this guy. And then there's a crowd. She's probably an introvert. She's like, I'm not keen. I don't like it. It stresses me out. Introverts unite at home together separately. But she's like, she's like, I gotta push through, man. I gotta get to Jesus. Man, desperation is the doorway that deliverance drives through. 
Desperation is the doorway, that deliverance. I get nervous sometimes for our generation because I feel like we have like a, you know, Jesus has won everything, that's the thing, we know that. But I feel like sometimes we've got like a little bit of a laid-back Christianity. It's like, oh, we thank you, Daddy. Oh, and it's fine. I, love, I say Daddy all the time. Oh, we thank you, Daddy. Thank you for providing me money. The Holy Spirit's like, homie, get a job. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, for your anointing. We thank you, Lord, that I'm just available to be used, but not at my family gatherings because they're scary. But I am available via social media to preach the gospel. Now, I'm obviously being silly, but you know what? I think some moments in life, we need to be like, hey, Jesus, I don't know what's going on. And I'm in pain and I'm hurting like Abby was talking about. But even in the midst of the fire, I got a desperation. I'm going to chase after you no matter where it is, no matter what's going on. Because it levels the playing field. And all of a sudden, the church of Jesus Christ becomes a place for the famous and the nameless, for the lots of money, the not lots of money, the single mom, the single dad, the extra addict, the homosexual. It becomes a place where it's not about what's going on with the other people. It's a place where you walk in and go, Jesus, thank you that you're here to meet me today. Desperation levels the playing field. I love that. Oh, man, I wonder if there's some desperate people. Someone, people often ask me, man, where's your favorite place to preach? Can I tell you, and I honestly mean this, and I've done this so I can say it, I would take five passionate year 11 boys, keen to hear the gospel, than a church of 500 in Tahiti where they're just playing church, they're comfortable, and they don't want the uncomfortable things of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, a place that's desperate, a place that's full of faith, a place that's like, God, and you know amen means let it be done? We should all say amen more. Don't do it now because it will be forced. No, don't do it. It's, I've, I've, apart from this, apart from this message, but we should, we should consistently be like, amen. You know, and amen, just anything. The MC is like, and God's good, amen. Let it, just let it be done in me. You know, let it be done in me. Come on, let's, let's delve into the details of this story. I want to delve into the details of Jairus and the woman. I am building some. Are you all right tonight? Yeah. Amen. I love that, Abby. I love, the, I love the birthplace of that song. That gets me pumped when I know, I, you can't always know all of them, but when you know the birthplace of a song, you're like, I get the gooseies. I'm like, ooh. You know, like it's, all, it's good without the, you know, like, but when you know, it's like, ooh. I know the origin story. I know what Abby was going through, but then God came in and moved, and Stephen Bottle was like singing, and ah, praise Jesus. Jairus is in a hurry. Let's look at the details of this story. I'm building this thing. Jairus is in a hurry. He's trying to move. The woman with the issue of blood comes in. These people don't look remotely linked. I want to tell you something so cool. You probably already know it because you're all theologians, but we have a woman with an issue that's been going on 12 years. We have a daughter that's dying that is 12 years old. You know what that means, church? Harris and his wife were like, praise. Morning or on the year of her birth, when Jairus and his wife were like, praise the Lord, we've got a daughter, yes. A woman was leaving a medical clinic going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's it for me. I can't have kids. I love the way 
Jesus intersects these stories, levels the playing field, and says, hey, with faith, come to me. Do not fear, but have faith. Some numbers in the Bible are epic. Seven is one of them. It's a number of completion. It's also my birthday, March 7th. We thank you, Lord. Five is a number of grace. I enjoy that. But 12, we don't need a degree in biblical numerology to see this all through Scripture. Let's, let's put it up on the screen if we can, gang. 12 is an awesome number. 12 is the number that when God in the Old Testament came to Abram and then Jacob and then he had 12 sons, they became the tribes of Israel. They became his people, his promised people, 12 In the Old Testament, when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, he'd be wearing something called an ephod, which is a fun word to say. On the count of three, one, two, three, ephod. Makes me happy, makes me think of carbs. I don't know why. Ephod. Ephod had 12, I don't know. Ephod had 12 precious jewels in it. 12 precious jewels in it. Jesus, our new high priest, was found in the temple teaching when he was 12 years old. Jesus, when he turned 30, decided, I need a crew, I need to disciple them, because there ain't no ship like a discipleship. I'm going to disciple them, and I would have chosen 11, but Jesus was like, yeah, I want the hater as well. Let's go 12. Love it. Judas Iscariot joke. Poor dude. Praise God. 12 is the number of covenant, and it's also the number of his authority. 12 is the number of the authority of Jesus. And in this story, we see intersected, man, I'm getting pumped. We see intersected the authority of Jesus. And we see him go into a situation and go, hey, hey, hey. Oh, man, I need to move this. I'm telling you, praise the Lord. Oh, we see Jesus come in. And basically, he's going, hey, 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 that disease, that's within my jurisdiction. That's within my authority. Then he goes to a dead girl, and he goes, why are you guys crying? This is still within my jurisdiction. Can I tell you something, church, tonight? Nothing, nothing that you are going through is outside of his jurisdiction. Nothing, no family dynamic, no pornographic addiction, no hurt or pain is outside the jurisdiction of God. And that gets me pumped, because that means I can come boldly into the throne room of heaven and say, God, I don't know what to do, but I know it's within your jurisdiction. I know it's within your authority. Oh man, I love, I know I'm getting pumped and I know that nothing was really loud and some people were like, whoa, praise Jesus, but I'm telling you, nothing, nothing (laughs) is outside of the jurisdiction of God. And that brings me hope because how many times am I the person in the boat going, it's a storm, we're going to die, oh no, Jesus. And he's like, yo, kid, are you kidding me? Where's your faith? How many times there's been situations I'm like... (laughs) <laughs> and the Holy Spirit comes down and he's like, yo, why are you weeping and crying? And I'm like, this is sad, this is painful. And he's like, yeah, I know, but it's within my jurisdiction. I'm like, oh, I know, I'm a two, so I'm really emotional with things going, <laughs> things going, with things going. But hey, it's within his jurisdiction. And that gets me pumped that nothing's outside of the jurisdiction of Jesus. And any time, we let a situation, an issue, a hurt, a pain, a sickness, anytime we accept it and say, it's just what I've got to live with, what we're actually also saying is, hey, Jesus, your authority does not work here. 
faith and authority are so intrinsically linked. Your awareness of his authority directly affects your faith. Faith is so important, but I want to tell you that some of you in this place, you might say, oh, I'm having a crisis of faith, or I'm not sure what I... You're not having a crisis of faith. You are having a crisis of authority. You are... You are it is a big statement to say that Jesus is the final authority. But Jesus is the final authority. The Word of God is the final authority. Because you might be like, yeah, but i got faith. It's, a, it's an anchor for my soul. Yeah, but what have you tied it to? I believe in Jesus. Oh, there's no rope. Well, I have a faith that anchors my soul. Why am I 300 kilometers off course in my tinny? I don't understand. I just started following universalism. I don't, what happened? I've got faith. You didn't anchor it to the authority. You didn't anchor it to the authority of Jesus Christ. He is the final authority, man. He is the final authority. And as long as it, even if it's not popular, even if it gets PC, I know that Pastor Rob and Heather, they're not moving on the fact that Jesus is the final authority. In life, in finance, in sexuality, hello. In every area, in marriage, Jesus is the final authority. But what is amazing is that when you accept that he's the final authority and you believe that he's the final authority, stuff, faith will start to move. Faith will start to move. Jesus is the final authority. Jesus showed authority over. Once again, you know, I always say this. It's not like a story, like it happened. Jesus showed authority over. If we could put it on the screen, storms. He literally changed the weather. Jesus could be an avenger. It's like, it's like, just for a second process the fact that he got up in a boat and said, I don't know if he did it in this voice, but he did it in my head. Peace be still. And a storm stopped. No, shut up. A storm stopped. My, my mom and dad, especially my mom, I don't know where she is, she would always like tell me the Bible like, I knew she believed it was a real thing. So I believed it was a real thing. She's like, and then he cut off his head. And then they took Goliath's head to the synagogue. And then they went and got the head and some bread. And then I'm like, yeah. And then I go to school and people were like, the Christianity's boring. I'm like, no, it's not. It's R18. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> Jesus showed authority over storms. Jesus multiplied food. And the food that he multiplied was carbs. Jesus showed authority over death. Jesus showed authority over demons. Jesus showed authority over sickness. Jesus even showed authority over attitudes. Remember when the religious people started thinking thoughts and it says in the Word of God, (laughs) he's a Jedi, it says in the Word of God, and knowing their thoughts. Jesus is the ultimate authority over our brains. It's amazing. It freaks me out. It should freak you out. It should, I'm telling you, Jesus is the ultimate, I'm preaching myself happy. Jesus is the ultimate authority over everything. And that brings me so much comfort because then I can just bring him whatever I need to. Oh my gosh, my voice is breaking. Keys, would you come and join me? I need the keys. My gosh, I'm telling you, you need to mix this word tonight with what Pastor Rob shared this morning because he shared about the, the basis and the building of faith. And so if you can listen to that on Tuesday and then merge it with the understanding of authority, we're going to have a church, unless you're already doing it, in which case, praise God, come and mentor me. But we're going to have a church that's moving in faith and understanding that Jesus is the authority. He's saying Jesus is the authority a lot. I know, I just realized. I've said it too many times now. (sighs) 
it just says here, wait for the keys. You just wait for them. He's a good, good father. He's so, so gangster. All right. Three points. Like Pastor Rob said tonight, we're going we're gonna to finish with these three points and the service is going to go a little bit over because we're going to lay hands on the sick. We're going to believe that they're going to be healed in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray for Brother Moonboot. haven't asked him yet, but I believe he's going to get healed. There's a risk in doing that. What if he doesn't? I know I'm scared right now. But I believe that Jesus is the authority over Brother Moonboot's torn meniscus or ACL or whatever it is. Some people in here, you got some stuff going on in your minds mentally, depression, anxiety. Jesus is the ultimate authority. We're going to lay hands and we're going to believe. But what if it doesn't happen? Then we'll pray again next week. And we'll pray again. And we'll pray again. Because the Bible tells us so. I love Marco's amens. Amen. Amen. Number one. Number one, if we could put that up. An awareness of authority unlocks fast faith. We've already sort of talked about that, so I'll skim through. If we could dim the house lights a little bit, you already kind of have, that's awesome. There's three levels of faith I want to talk to you about. I know I've got to speed up. There's three levels of faith, and these are crazy. Level one is Jairus. Jairus is the man. He's a pastor. He's ordained through the ACC. And he goes up to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I need you. Awesome. Come, lay hands, because I'm a Pentecostal. And also, it's in the Bible, so there you go. That's one thing of faith. Jesus, you've got to come and you've got to lay hands. Then there's another level of faith. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, it's not about him coming to me. Jesus isn't my waiter. Not that Jairus is doing that, but we can sometimes. We don't talk to him and then we get like a $600 speeding fine and we're like, Jesus, I love you. I need you, Dada, Papa, Abba, help. (laughs) If I could just get to him, if I could just touch him, but friends, there's a third level of faith that we read about in the book of Matthew. There was a centurion. And he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, my servant's sick. But you don't need to come to my house. Because you're a man under authority, I know you have authority and you need to just pull. You need to just say a word and I know that she will be healed. And you know what Jesus said, Pastor Rob touched on this. Jesus marveled and said, I have not seen a faith like this in all of Israel. Do you know what Jesus just said? He just said, I didn't see faith like this in my mother Mary. I didn't see faith like this in the disciples. I didn't see faith like this in John the Baptist. Yet a centurion, maybe worshiping other gods and doing who knows else what, he had faith, a faith that marveled the Son of Man. Why? Because he understood authority. Do you understand the authority of heaven? And it's all right if you're at the level of Jairus. It's okay. We're not going to judge your journey. We're going to celebrate your steps. But, but Jairus is like, I, I need the moment. I need the worship moment. I need the man or woman of God to lay hands on me. When friend, it's so much bigger. And then the woman with the issue of blood, she was awesome. She's like, it's on me. My heart's position, my push through. But the centurion whose name we never know, He said, God, what he was saying was, your words are life. Number two, an important interruption. 
Anna preached a message years ago called an important interruption. It was very good. Can I just encourage you? I've got to, I've got to keep moving. We'll go quickly. Jairus was probably freaking out. Jesus stops in the middle of the crowd, starts being like, who touched me? Jairus is probably like, what are you talking about? They're all touching me. Shut up. Let's go. God will often, when you're waiting on a miracle, encourage you to celebrate someone else's. Often. Not to dishearten you, but to just remind you that He's God. It's funny until it's you. It's funny until you're trying to have kids and you can't and everyone else is posting about kids. It's funny until you're struggling with those websites every night. You're a slave to lust and all these people are getting up at church going, I went to encounter and I was just freed and Jesse touched me and I just, just all impurity left my body. And you're like, are you kidding me, God? Friend, celebrate the blessing and the miracle and the goodness of God in others. It is, a, it is a promise of what God will do for you. Third point as I finish up tonight is called I respectfully decline. I respectfully decline. You know, I love Nando's. Got it tatted on my body in what was in hindsight a great life decision. Shut up. If I went to Nando's and I ordered a half chicken and chips with a creamy chip dip and a vanilla Coke, Sam Cockrove, let's go. And the waiter came out and was like, here you go, sir. And it was an avocado and cucumber salad. I'd do two things. I'd say, one, this is Jasmine's order. The second thing I'd say is, hey, 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 sister or brother in Christ, this isn't a half chicken on hot with Perry chips and a creamy chip dip. This is a salad. Do I look like a salad guy? I respectfully decline. Go get my chicken and chips and a free chocolate mousse. God bless you in the name of Jesus. You see, the woman with the issue of blood respectfully declined a few things. She declined the people in her way. She declined embarrassment that would lower her faith. She declined unbelief that would tell her not to do it. And she said, hey, hey, actually, my order wasn't embarrassment and fear of man and condemnation. My order was healing and breakthrough. And I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. So I respectfully decline. And then a few passages later, we see Jesus does the same thing in Jairus' house when they're laughing at him. He said, hey, hey, hey. Hey, homies, um, I respectfully decline your jest and your unbelief. The spirit of unbelief is actually the thing Jesus took most seriously. Get out or we're going to have a problem. And if we do some study, it looks like they might have had a problem. My order wasn't unbelief. My order wasn't cynicism. My order wasn't, I don't know if I like it. I don't know if that's my flavor. Jesus said, hey, my order was resurrection life. And it's coming straight from the throne room of heaven. I'm gonna have what I ordered. Some of you have decided to start eating things the devil's serving you up week in, week out. Hey, it's time to stand up and actually say, hey, no, that's not my order. 
My order was righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. My order was breakthrough. I'm not preaching prosperity. I'm not saying everything will be good. The restaurant might suck. You might fall off the Nando's table. The chairs might be dirty. The staff might be abusing you. But when you look to heaven and you look at that menu and say, God, you said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That was my order. When you said that nothing is outside of your jurisdiction and control, that was my order. When you died on the cross and you said, it is finished. I accept that order. I don't accept hurt and pain. Why don't we stand up tonight? Either none of us clap or we all clap. We got we to all get in or all get out. Pastor Jesse, there's an altar of like dead applause that almost made it. <laughs> Good. All right. Pastor Rob, what's the time? Pastor Boss, it's seven. Okay. It's seven. So technically, according to the run sheet, we are finished. If you have children, if you have a 5 a.m. start, you may not leave because God's going to move in power. I'm just kidding. You can leave. But, but this comes from the heartbeat of our senior leaders that they want to move a God. They want the Spirit to move. And so if we could just sing something quickly just really quickly, just to stir faith in the room. Why don't we lift our hands to heaven? You don't need to come out the front. We're going to pray for some people. I want to encourage you to stay switched on, stay engaged. We're going to believe for a revelation of the authority of heaven tonight, the authority of Jesus, His jurisdiction, His power. Just 60 seconds, guys. It'll be great.